Welcome to the Community Caregivers Connected Podcast, where we talk about how to raise healthy kids. In this series, we'll tackle every topic from substance use to mental health and relationships. In these episodes, we'll hear from a group of professionals, parents, and youth. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com. You're listening to the Community Caregivers Connected podcast. We're the Spokane County Prevention Team, sitting down with parents, professionals, youth, and others in Spokane to talk about how we can raise healthy kids and empower our community. This week, we have a dynamic group of individuals who will shed some light on the opioid epidemic in our country and in Spokane. Some of the topics we will be discussing today could be triggering or distressing. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us at spokaneprevention at gmail.com. If you or someone close to you needs help for a substance use disorder, talk to your doctor or call SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or go to SAMHSA's Behavioral Health Treatment Services locator online. For more information, you can also visit getthefactsrx.com to start the conversation. You too can make a difference in preventing opioid misuse. This week, Coalition Coordinator Sarah McNew sat down with Dr. Bob Lutz, who gives us an intimate look at the science behind opioids and the benefits of non-opioid prescription pain relievers. Welcome, Dr. Bob Lutz. Sarah, good morning. It's nice to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming today. Would you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself for those who um, are not familiar with you? Yeah, certainly, Sarah. So, yeah, so as you said, Bob Lutz, I currently work for the Department of Health with uh, the COVID-19 medical response. I've been in public health now for probably 14, 15 years. I served on the Spokane Board of Health for eight years and then was the local county health officer from 2017 through 2020. Um, more recently, not only are we going through a public health pandemic, but also an opioid dem- epidemic um, in Spokane and at the state and national level. And we wanted to talk more about some typical scenarios where a young person might be prescribed medications such as opioids. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I mean, certainly, Sarah, where we have historically seen young people prescribed opioids most commonly has been through either dental procedures such as wisdom teeth getting extracted or sometimes if they've had for example sports injuries where maybe they've had actual surgery required and then in the post-op situation they've had opioids prescribed sometimes but rarely you would see it if for example a young person would end up going into the emergency room for something and um, potentially get medications there. But that's where we've historically seen prescribed opioids most commonly coming into the hands of young people. What are some ways that parents and caregivers can advocate for those non-opioid prescriptions for their youth? I think right on, Sarah, it just requires advocacy. You know, I think that there's very as we've learned more about the appropriate use and misuse of opioid medications, we realize that there are very few actual needed 
times when those medications are the best choice. So simply advocating for your kids saying, you know, asking the physicians, asking the dentist, do you really need to be prescribing these medications for my child, for my adolescent? And then again, acknowledging and knowing that something as simple as a combination of Tylenol and Advil or ibuprofen is oftentimes sufficient for pain relief. I think we've become sort of used to having these medications prescribed, but again, because of a lot of efforts to include the ones that you're involved with right now, I think people are realizing that these medications really are very rarely needed, if at all. Yeah. Are you able to speak to Dr. Lutz? Um, I recently read an article about the combination of Tylenol and ibuprofen and how that's actually more beneficial um, when managing pain and how it binds to the pain receptors differently and, and also reduces inflammation, inflammation whereas opioids don't. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the science has been out there for years, Sarah. You know, there was a, in, in medicine and public health, there's something called the Cochrane Database. And the Cochrane uh, review came out probably, oh, half a dozen years ago, if not longer, that showed they, they reviewed systematically the literature on pain medication, on when pain medication is best used, opioids versus other medications, such as you mentioned the combination of acetaminophen, otherwise known as Tylenol, and then ibuprofen. And they've shown that, as you said, Ibuprofen is an anti-inflammatory that also has pain relieving qualities, what we call analgesia. And Tylenol is likewise a very good pain reliever that people I think underestimate its use because it's just over the counter. And so the studies have really shown that that combination both decreases inflammation, which oftentimes has pain associated with it, and then also addresses pain by both the Tylenol and ibuprofen. So it's a great combination. As you mentioned, the opioids work by a very different mechanism. And really in these types of situations where young people are gonna be prescribed medications, they're really not necessary. What are some things that you would like parents and caregivers to know about the risks of taking opioids and their youth being prescribed opioids? Well, I think that first of all, there is certainly heightened awareness about the use of opioids by young people, especially because we know the data have shown that if you are, for example, you know, an adolescent and you prescribe pain medication, then there is a significant risk for you to go on to potentially continue to seek opioids uh, in the future. And so again, I think that's a great concern. I think that if you're a parent or a caregiver and your child, adolescent has been prescribed those medications, you should be aware of that risk. And then again, be aware of the fact that you need to really monitor their use. So you should have access to those medications. You should secure those medications. So you're dispensing them and distributing them as appropriately prescribed. And really then also asking your child on a regular basis, how's the pain? Do you feel as if you could use something other than this medication? I think also the sooner you can, if the child, is, child or adolescent is prescribed the medication, 
the sooner you can, if you will, wean them off of that medication, the better. Because again, in it may take just a couple of days. The studies have shown that within five days of usage, you actually have some of the changes that occur at the um, physiological level, which then makes these medications more of a needed medication rather than just an as needed medication. Is there a way that parents and caregivers can advocate for lower doses or even lower prescriptions of opioids if they're youth of prescribed opioids? Or what is the typical dosage of a prescription look like? You know, it's going to really vary, Sarah, from one from one pain medication to another. I mean, be it's, you know, if it's Tylenol 3, which is probably the weakest, all the way up to medications like oxycodone, Vicodin, and then even stronger medications like OxyContin. As I mentioned earlier, really no real indications for some of these medications to be prescribed for young people. So simply advocating and really talking with the provider, be it a physician, be it a dental provider, a dentist, and say, look, I have concerns about these medications. My preference for my child, for my adolescent, would be that these medications are not prescribed. But if they are prescribed, if you, based upon your professional experience, believe it's appropriate, then let's give me a really small, limited amount of medications, no more than you know, two, less than five days. Because again, the studies have shown that the longer you're on these medications, the greater the likelihood that you may find yourself needing the medications rather than just having to use the medications for pain. And what we don't want is for that sort of, if you will, that conversion of when somebody is taking the medication appropriately for pain, well, all of a sudden they find themselves wanting to take that medication, even if the pain is not necessarily there. That's the concern that we have. Yes, thank you so much. I loved how you mentioned earlier for parents and caregivers to monitor their child's dosage and prescription and whether that's by counting how many are in the bottle, locking them up in a secure medication lockbox. Um, what are some other things that, that a, a parent can do if they feel like their youth has started to develop a dependency to opioids? Yeah, I think that's the biggest concern that we have. And I think that there are definitely resources, obviously, you know, what we're trying to do by this podcast is to make parents aware of A, the issue, and then B, what resources exist out there. You know, I think we are challenged, however, in many situations that we certainly do not have as many resources as we would like. But, you know, there are, if you were to call, for example, you know, the WA Recovery Helpline, 1-866-789-1511. That is one resource that's out there for parents to reach out and find information. I think there are others, for example, um, there is a program that was funded through the, through the Department of Health called It Starts With One. And it is a web-based resource of materials, information for parents, for caregivers. It provides information on you know, details about what opioids are, what to look for, if you find your child potentially having been prescribed these medications, or which is more common that they access these medications through what we call diversion. 
they end up getting the medications from your medicine cabinets. They may get them from a friend. They get them illicitly rather than prescribed. Can you speak to what you are seeing in in our local community or even the state um, as far as youth using prescription medications? Well, certainly, I think because of raised awareness over the past, I would say, you know, decade plus, when you look at just the history of opioid usage, the hope, the history of overprescribing, we really see that at both the national level, state level, and local level, prescribing practices really have decreased since about 2015. We still, however, in the Spokane region, we still have higher rates of prescription for both young people as well as adults as compared to the rest of the state. So irrespective of the fact that providers have done better with their practices, we still find that this region has higher rates of prescription of opioids as compared to the rest of the state. So that's of concern. It has, however, dropped pretty significantly, which again is really encouraging. So if you look at, um, when I look at the data, they definitely have decreased. What I will share with you, however, is that for reasons that again, possibly pandemic related, we have seen that in the data from the last half of 2020, which is where we have the most recent available data, we have seen an increase in prescribing practices or in prescriptions of opioids. So that's of concern. But again, generally the trend has been on the downward for probably at least, you know, a significant pull since 2015, which is encouraging. Yes, that is definitely encouraging. Thank you. Dr. Bob Lutz, before we end here today, I would love to hear more about the Washington State Standing Order as it relates to naloxone prescriptions. Um, is, is that something that you would recommend for parents and caregivers if their youth are prescribed opioids? Would you recommend that they utilize that Washington State Standing Order prescription? Yeah, so just to, just to review that with you, Sarah, a couple of years ago, Dr. Kathy Lofi, who was the sec who was the state health officer, because of the concern that we needed to have readily available access to naloxone, otherwise known as Narcan by a trade name, she wrote a standing order that made that prescription available to anyone just going into the pharmacy and saying that you would like to have that prescription provided. It's available now. You don't need it prescribed by your own provider. Rather, it comes through that standing order. So there has been strong encouragement that whenever anyone is prescribed an opioid, be it an adult or a youth, that that medication is combined with naloxone. Because again, these medications have significant side effects if taken in excess. They can also, as you know, lead to overdoses. And having this medication as an overdose response medication available is certainly something that I would encourage you to have on board. So again, I think this is a great resource for our community, the fact that at the state level, it's now available 
still prescribed, mind you, but again, not necessarily coming from your own provider, but rather through the state and the, the state uh, health officer. Dr. Bob Lutz, thank you so much. You're such an incredible advocate person. We are so grateful that you took the time to meet with us today just for your wisdom, for your dedication to community service, and for all of the education um, that you were able to provide us and our viewers with today. So we just want to personally thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts for us as prevention professionals, for parents and caregivers, or as a community as a whole for what we can do to support um, those? who may be using opioids at this point in time. Well, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, certainly it's my pleasure and an honor to work with our community and work with organizations and individuals such as yourself to really decrease access and really ensure that people have the resources necessary to prevent them from turning to these medications inadvertently and therefore becoming addicted to them. You know, we have been through a very stressful situation over the past 15, 16 months. And still, although it's getting better, we still have significant stressors in front of us. When I look at our most recent data, we see that young people are really feeling the stressors of not being in school, being away from their friends, having their lives so disrupted. This is a situation where young people may, out of curiosity or because of anxiety, depression, reach out for medications to make them feel different. And so I think as parents, as caregivers, please, I encourage you to talk with your children, check in with them regularly, watch for anything that may make you suspicious if their behaviors change, maybe their grades change. They're not, they're just acting differently. This is a time where I think we have to be very, very vigilant because of the stressors in all of our lives. Children are going to be ones and youth are going to be ones that are going to maybe feel these stressors differently because they don't always have the resources available to them. Listen to your children, listen to your family, look for those signs. And if you find anything of concern, please reach out and look for assistance because you do not want to find yourself having to deal with the throes of addiction, which unfortunately we know can commonly occur when young people reach out for these illicit substances. Dr. Lutz, thank you so, so much. It was such a pleasure meeting with you today. And we, again, we are just so grateful and thankful for you. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend with us this morning for our podcast. Thank you again. We appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Next week, we will hear from Leticia and Jeff as they talk more about how opioids affect our youth in Spokane. The Community Caregivers Connected podcast is made possible with funding through the Washington State Healthcare Authority, drug-free community grant funds from the CDC, and new ESD 101. Questions or topic ideas can be submitted on our website at spokaneprevention.com.